This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets podcast. It's H-Town Hoops. Hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. It is the H-Town Hoops podcast with Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. Austin Mendez handling things for us behind the scenes. We appreciate y'all for being here with us. And the Rockets are about to start a bit of a homestand. You could say nine of the next 10 games, I believe, are going to be at Toyota Center. Is that right, Adam? I believe it's at least eight of the next nine or nine of the next 10. It's quite a few. It's something, have, like that. it's something like that after a three game road trip. And since the last time that we talked at them, the Rockets actually did go on a bit of a winning streak, but have, have dropped their last two. And the theme of those last two losses, uh, you know, being to the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Milwaukee Bucks, Eastern conference teams was the drop in performance defensively for the Rockets. That was a theme for them. And obviously that's been a calling card for the team this season, a, a huge reason for their improvement for their, I guess you could call it turnaround. I, I would call it that certainly being in the mix for, you know, one of those, <laughs> for one of those later lower seeds in the, you know, in the, in the plan, or at least that being an aspiration of them and seeing seeming realistic for them. But what, what do you make of, these last couple of games for the Rockets, what has stood out to you about these games that they've lost? So there's a couple of things. And the first is, all right, you lose in Milwaukee, you give up, you know, that's, that's not a big deal. If you're going to go get beat up a little bit by Milwaukee, especially on the defensive end, that's an elite offensive team. And they're going to be an elite offensive team. Uh, and you just don't really have anybody who can match up with Giannis and you don't really have, and, and Lillard has just destroyed them now for years. Um, so that one wasn't as big a deal. Last night, that's a tough one. Um, giving up, they finished, uh, Cleveland scored 135, uh, but they were 122 through four quarters. I mean, that's the sort of stuff that can't happen. Um, giving up a 33-point first quarter can't happen. Giving up a 42-point third quarter against, and this is, Cleveland's a good team, but they're missing key guys. I mean, Cleveland without Darius Garland and without Evan Mobley, I mean, you can't, you can't have games like that. Um, and two things stand out. They're not rebounding. Um, they had a, a, a defensive rebounding rate of 59% in these two games. So they might play good initial defense to start a possession, but they're not finishing possessions. So that's an issue if you're not going to get any defensive rebounds, which they weren't. And then the and then I guess there are two other things. They're fouling a lot. Um, they gave up uh, – Cleveland attempted 34 free throws on Monday. Milwaukee attempted 32 free throws on Sunday. 
that's way too many. Um, and then both those teams were able to get up shots from inside the restricted area. The Rockets for the season are giving up 24 field goal attempts from the restricted area. It's 36 over the last two games. So those are kind of the things that you look at and you say, you know what? You might be playing against, at least with Milwaukee, you're playing against a good offensive team, but there were things that the Rockets just did very poorly. Fouling, not rebounding, and then giving up shots at the rim. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, well, that's the big thing to me, though, that you mentioned earlier about not having Evan Mobley, not having Darius Garland. Like, I understand it's a back-to-back, and, you know, Cleveland's a good team, a pretty decent team, but they don't have two of their really important players. And Sam Merrill, they'll have this right, Sam Merrill. Like, who even – I don't even know who Sam Merrill is. And I and I saw a report – or right up after the game that was mentioning how that's not a guy that's been in their regular rotation when they're when they're whole, when they're healthy. And I'm like, you give up. He was in double figures. Sam Merrill had 13 points, went 5 of 10 from 3, 6 of 11 from the field. And I'm just like, oh, look, that's not the end of the world, I guess. But it, you're like, you, you call yourself being a really good defensive team. You go out there and you face a team that doesn't have an all-star and a top you know, th- you know, top three pick in Evan Mobley, you know, that type of talent, they're missing those two type of guys. I, I, I just don't understand how you get beat by what's left of the, I don't understand they had Donovan Mitchell, but what's left of the Cleveland Cavaliers and Sam Merrill gives you 13 off the bench. Like that's just, to me, that can't happen. Hey, Sam Merrill can shoot it. I saw that guy hit a, hit a game winner in the, in the mountain West conference championship game in 2020. That guy can shoot. Of course. Uh, and- of course, Sam Merrill come from the Mountain West. See, that's a that's a such a Mountain West name. What school does this guy come from? Utah State. Utah State. Yeah. Uh, right. But and I, I, you know, the Sam Merrill thing didn't really necessarily bother me that much, just because he's a shooter, and sometimes shooters are going to get hot. Now, if you are getting to the point where he's attempting ten three pointers in twenty four minutes, that's a bit of an issue. I think that's the biggest issue is that you are even putting him in a position where he can have an open look. I mean, you've got to be able to, you got to be able to defend the perimeter a little bit better than that, but you know, the Cavs. So I'm not gonna make excuses for it. Um, there, the lack of physicality was a problem. Fouling is a problem. Like there's no reason for the Cavs to shoot 34 free throws in a game, especially, you know, maybe Don, you know, maybe you can excuse it by saying, well, you know, Donovan Mitchell, he was able to draw a bunch of fouls. Maybe he took 15 free throws. No, that wasn't the case. Donovan Mitchell only took five free throws. So that means like you're allowing 
um, Jared Allen to take seven free throws. You're allowing Max Struess to take five. You're allowing Tristan Thompson. Now they were hacking Tristan Thompson, so that number, a, that number is a little bit inflated. But there's no reason that Max Struess should be taking five free throws and Jared Allen. You know, that, that's just you got to defend without fouling at some point. Um, so all in all, you're going to have some bad defensive games. I, I think for this team to say, well, it was a back to back. I think that's just an awful excuse because these are you don't have a bunch of 35 year olds playing. You know, you got essentially this. This is a young roster. This this roster should not be impacted by playing back to backs at this point. So I don't like that as an excuse, but they just they have to be better. And um, for them to score, uh, what was it, one twenty two in they if you score one hundred twenty two points in regulation against a team missing an all star guard, you should win that game and you should win that game easily. And that's and they didn't do that yesterday. So. Losing Milwaukee, that was disappointing, but they were kind of in that game. Uh, and they just got, you know, the Bucks are just a better team than them. But losing that game in Cleveland, I think that's a that that's a really disappointing effort. And um, to me, the rebounding, I mean, to to allow 14 offensive rebounds in that game is, is just, I mean, Isaac Okoro had four offensive rebounds. Like how, that that can't happen, you know, allowing essentially a guard to get four offensive rebounds that that to me is just kind of a lack of effort and that's just playing soft and that's what i attribute last night to yeah i mean you you, you talk about a coral and i think he had he's the, also the one that had that strip on jalen green if i'm not mistaken uh when jalen green's trying to drive on him and it just overall it just looked like a poor showing i could see like i don't want to give them the back-to-back excuse but they did look like a team that was either tired or if not tired willing to allow the previous night to be an excuse for how they were playing like they they seem sluggish and without some level of effort there from from what i could tell well they got a bunch of back-to-backs coming up so they better figure that thing out otherwise like you're putting yourself in a really difficult spot where now you're just you're not giving yourself an opportunity to try and pile up wins because they've got a back-to-back they've got a back-to-back this week they've got a back-to-back next week i mean the, the schedule you know, the schedule becomes very, you know, the way that they did the in-season tournament, you know, you're, you weren't playing a lot of games during that stretch because you had a bunch of open dates and things like that. And the league was clearing out the schedule back-to-back Sundays and only playing one play. They only played the one game on that Saturday, the championship game. So now everybody's got to play a bunch of games. And so you are, as a team, you got to get ready for what's coming with these back-to-backs because they're, they're going to have a lot of them. Um, and if you can't win, back-to-backs and you're not giving yourself all you know much of a chance to to go on any sort of a run um they've been a decent they've been a good rebounding team though for a good portion of the year maybe it's just a two-game blip i don't know but uh to me that that when i look at when you go through the numbers for the last two games the rebounding really stood out to me because having a defensive rebounding rate of 59 percent is just to me, that's playing soft, and that's kind of the antithesis of what Ime Udoka has really stressed over the, the course of this season. Yeah. Well, again, I know Jared Allen played, and, and you know, they threw Tristan Thompson out there, but, again, without one of their better bigs in the game or available for the yeah. game, and Evan Mobley, you know, like you – even if you're going to lose the game, you know, if you're going to lose the game late and in close, there should be aspects of the games that you don't lose and just like – stylistically a way that you want to play their their own like stated identity and how they what they want to be about so we, we started off here gave you know roughly 10 minutes on the bad and that's of course the most recent thing that we've seen because they lost these last couple of games but they did win 
Did you have something else? Yeah, I, I just want to bring this up. Um, to me, and we've talked about this a lot, but if they want to be a better rebounding team and a more consistent rebounding team, they've got to get more in that department from Shingun. And he is now, he has 10 defense. He had, you know, I talked about these two games where they're giving up uh, 20, they gave up a total of 29 um, offensive rebounds the last two games. Shingun has 10 defensive rebounds in these two games. Um, he He's averaging 7.1 defensive rebounds per 36 minutes. That's tied for 40th best in the entire league. He is averaging fewer defensive rebounds per 36 minutes than a sore Thompson, a guard. To me, this is an issue. And I don't know if you see it the same way, but for them to take a step and for them to get better and for them to consistently be a good defensive rebounding team, we've talked about him kind of walling up and being much better in the paint, but he's got to be able to rebound because he's your center. And oftentimes he might be the only big on the floor. And if he's not going to rebound, they're going to have a lot of trouble finishing possessions. Yeah. I wondered, and I, I should probably give this a closer look, but I wondered how much, I wonder how much it has to do with like, he is given some better effort defensively and how much his athletic limitations have to do with that. I don't, I don't think it's a good enough excuse. He should still be a better rebounder. But the thing about it, and for one thing, I didn't realize that the numbers were as bad as you just illustrated. So so that that's eye-opening for me a little bit. But also, I, I would I would point this out, and just to add to your point of how urgent it is, Alvin Shingun is their starting center, and they're effectively operating without really a backup center. I know Jock Landale has kind of gotten back into the mix. I know Jeff Green has... Uh, you know, between Jeff Green and Jabari Smith, and uh, like we said, Jock Landell is back in the mix. But I know they try to kind of figure out the five spot around, like the backup five spot, but they effectively don't have one. So it, it, it to me, it, it exacerbates the problem of not really having a backup center to speak of when your starting center, who is, uh, you know, a focal point of your team, he's not just a, you know, a fifth guy out there. He's a He's a guy for you. When that guy's not rebounding and you don't have much behind him either, to me, that really, really hurts the team on top of it. Like the, it increases the urgency that Shingun be the one to step up in that way. Yeah. And it, it seems like that they are just going to play a small ball five when Shingun's off the floor, unless, you know, there are certain matchups, but that seems to be the approach that they have taken really the entire season. I mean, Landale got some minutes early on and then he, he got sick and he got hurt and then he got sick and he just, he's not playing a whole lot. He hasn't been effective when he's been in there. And as we get closer to the trade deadline, uh, I think that that's an area that they're going to look at. And it's an area that they probably should look at. And they've got some salaries that they can certainly stack to, to bring in another player. And I, I do think that that is a position of need. Uh, I do think that they need to add another big of some sort just to, because there are going to be nights where they're going to need a second big. And they've also been remarkably healthy so far this season. Shingun hasn't missed a game. Um, Shengun's not going to play all 82. So if he misses a game, what happens at that point? So I, I do think that's an area that they should and probably will look at at some point. So before these two games that we just talked about that they lost, the Rockets did, and this is the, since the last time we talked here on the podcast, the Rockets did win, I want to count them five straight since the last time we talked. We were going into that Oklahoma City game 
talking about how they needed a win. They had lost three straight leading up into that game, and they took care of business. So I did want to at least point that out and, and get from you maybe what stood out to you during the winning streak. What is it? Maybe there's something that they could go back to. What were they doing in the five games that they won that they're not doing in these two games that we haven't already hit on? I guess it's the defense and the rebounding are the main things, but is there anything they can pull from their five games of success and, and try to go back to once they uh, since they're starting this homestand on Wednesday night? Well, if you could play San Antonio Memphis every single night, I think you'd be in pretty good shape. So yeah, I was, yeah, you, 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 you look up, it's like I'm like I'm talking about defense. They hold San Antonio to 82. It's freaking San Antonio. Yeah. So that that now there were a couple of good wins in there. Uh, they beat Oklahoma City, like you said. They won a game in Denver, which was probably the best win that they've had in in three years. So so obviously you take positives out of that. Uh, but they were blessed with playing San Antonio and then playing two in a row against Memphis before Morant came back. So that certainly was beneficial and they won those games. They should have won. The, like, that's good though. You know, that Memphis game, the second one, especially in Memphis, they had not been good on the road. And so that's the type of game that they should have won and they won. And so you give them credit for that. It was also big um, as, as we move forward just through the rest of the season, uh, because as they try and compete for one of these playing spots, that really gave that essentially gave them ten a ten game cushion with Memphis, and Memphis as we're recording this right now, Memphis is getting beaten up pretty good in New Orleans with John Morant back, so the Grizzlies aren't going to pick up any ground on them tonight. And as the schedule dwindles down and as more and more games get played, that's less time for Memphis to try and come back on them. And again, the Rockets have to be able to finish in front of five teams in order to make the play in. Uh, I think that you look at it and. They're going to finish in front of San Antonio. They'll finish in front of Portland. They'll finish in front of Utah. Uh, you finish in front of Memphis. That just leaves one more team that you've got to be able to stay in front of. And so I think that they are, even after these two losses, I think they are well positioned to make some sort of run into the spring. All right, Adam. We got to get to this, man. Jalen Green. I looked up, you know, it was a big weekend for Houston because – you know, the Texans beat the Titans wearing the Oilers uniforms, and it was a big it was a big Houston weekend. I look up, and, and Scarface is performing on Tiny Desk, and I'm like, man, Houston, man. Well, Houston is doing his thing. Then I look on, on the internet, man, and the internet's turned on Jalen Hurts for the Philadelphia Eagles, a Houston guy, and Jalen Green, the Houston Rockets, number two overall pick from a couple of years ago. I see that he's trending, and it, it feels like every game I'm looking up and I'm seeing what the conversation is. And, I'm, you know, I'm not always trying to, like, pile on Jalen. It's, it's a whole team. It's a team game, right? So it's not like we're just looking at one player. But it never fails. Like, I look up and Jalen Green is a conversation. And I'm just seeing here now looking at the game logs, and this, this tracks. This tracks with the hot test. But he hasn't had a positive plus minus in weeks since the since the Dallas game since the yeah since the Mavericks game on November 28th so a couple of weeks since he's had a positive plus minus game um he's not progressing the way I, I think at the rate like he's a better player now than he was uh but not progressing at the rate and in the way I feel like people would like for him to do so we've had a lot of conversations about this but what are you seeing from Jalen Green in terms of progression or lack thereof? He's not shooting well. Um, I think that's the big thing. I mean, you look, 
the last eight games, he's shooting 33.6% from the field. That's not good enough. And you can shoot the ball poorly if you're getting to the free throw line. He's not getting to the free throw line either. Uh, before which last he, night, which he was last year, that was a thing yeah. that he that he'd improved upon, right? His free throw shooting has gone down from last year. Let me pull up the numbers just so that I have them. Um, but going, I, I think he, he attempted seven free throws last night, um, which is good. I mean, that helps a two for 12 game look a little bit better when you can at least when you can take seven free throws and make all of them. But before uh, last night's game, he had averaged uh, 3.6 free throws in the seven previous. Like that's not good enough for a scorer. Um, so the big thing, and people are always going to look at just the shooting numbers because when you're an offensive guy, that's what you're supposed to be able to do well. And he's not doing that well right now. To me, the bigger issue is that he's not finishing games. And this is now, he didn't play the fourth quarter last night. Um, during that winning streak that we talked about, he wasn't playing fourth quarters. Then uh, San Antonio, he did not play. I think it was San Antonio. He didn't play the fourth quarter. Uh, it, the Memphis game, he did not play the fourth quarter. Like that's when you need him. Like you, you, that guy is supposed to be on the floor in the fourth quarter because they don't have anybody else who has his skill set. Really. They don't have a guy who can go and get you easy offense. And so it's been Tari Eason kind of closing games in his spot. And Eason has been awesome. And we're going to talk about him in a minute, but Eason offensively isn't the talent that Jalen green is. And so like they need somebody who can put the ball in the basket and create his own shot. That's not Eason. That's what Jalen green is supposed to be. And really you look at this team, the Rockets don't have anybody else who can do that. You know, that was supposed to kind of be Kevin Porter jr's job coming off the bench. And obviously he's gone. So they don't really have anybody who can get to the rim and get you 25, you know, who can get you like a 10 point quarter, just creating his own offense. So that's where they need him. And, and I think what was probably most disheartening than anything else was against Cleveland. He doesn't play the fourth quarter, but they bring him back for overtime because they're not looking to run Jeff Green into the ground. So he, they bring him back for overtime. He should be fresh. Everybody else on the floor should be exhausted. So that's when like he should be able to take over the game, and he didn't do it. So that, to me, was probably as disheartening as it gets where you have this guy who should be a, a, who should be a high-level scorer in this league. He's fresh. He's playing against a bunch of guys who aren't fresh, and he still can't put the ball in the basket. Yeah, man, the – the thing that is wrong with Jalen Green to me feels like the same thing that I've been saying about him since he got here. And that's that he's a streaky at best shooter. Like his jump shot, like some nights is falling, you know, like the, you know, I think about some of the, the, you know, the Lakers game of his, uh, his rookie year. Um, there's a Celtics game in there. I'm thinking about there, Like there are some games throughout his career where it's like, Oh, so he can shoot. But for the most part, man, this inconsistency that we're seeing with his scoring is pretty consistent <laughs> with what he's been. Like, he's an inconsistent jump shooter. And I don't think, like, I don't think that Jalen Green can ever be the player or even just the scorer that he was projected to be if he doesn't develop a consistent jump shot. Because because there are two things wrong with his game right now. And, and I'm just talking about offensively inconsistent jump shooter but then you could pull this up adam like his his numbers of finishing at the rim like you remember when he first got in the league he was like noticeably 
subpar at finishing at the rim, especially for somebody as athletic as he is. And he got stronger and he worked on his body and it seemed like he got better at that for a stretch. But like he still doesn't feel like he's elite at that, you know, like like he does, he's not a great finisher or shooter. And so now he's just fast. You know, he's just like uh, he's lightning quick and has the athleticism to to get by or jump over anybody. But, man, if you can't finish at the rim, if you can't knock down jump shots consistent, consistently, I don't know how you're going to ever be able to be that reliable score, whether it's like, you know, uh, as a main option or whether it's like running the second unit or whatever it is like, like to me, he is like, you can count on him to be, you know, one of the more special talents, like, as you put it, but can you count on him to knock, like, if you need a shot, can you count on him to knock down a jump shot? I don't like, I, I never know how to feel when he shoots the ball. Never know how to feel. Never know what to think. So I can I can only imagine. Like I imagine his confidence in his own shot is higher than mine in his shot. But I can only imagine what he must feel like, and what his teammates must feel like when they watch his shot just be so inconsistent. Like his issue is not having a jump shot, a consistent jump shot, and being a subpar finisher for the type of athlete that he is. So his finishing has actually gotten a little bit better. And he's still bad at it. But last year he was, I think it was 50.6 last season. It's 51.2 this season. Again, that's still not good enough. You should not be, you should be at least close to 60. And, or maybe 50, you know, I, you know, league average is about 60%. So he should be at least league average when you have his athletic gifts. He should be, he should be, he should be better than league average, especially if he can't shoot. If he, if he doesn't have a jumper, something's got to give here, Adam. Like he's either got to get a, he's got to knock down shots or he's got to be above league, league average, much less being below it and finishing at the rim. Well, the numbers are down for him across the board. I mean, you look basically the only, the only stat, the only counting stat that is better for, or I guess there's two counting stats that are better for him this year than last year. He's rebounding a little bit better and he's blocking more shots, which again, that stuff doesn't really, his turnovers down a little bit, but again, a lot of this is just, he doesn't have the, the same sort of opportunity. You know, the offense isn't quite running through him the same way that it has in the past. And a lot of that is having Fred Van Vliet. And part of that is with uh, Shingun getting more touches and his minutes are way down too. I mean, this is a guy who was playing you know, 34 minutes last year. He's playing 31 minutes this year. And part of that is because he can't get on the floor during the fourth quarter. So it, it's, I, I'm not going to say that he stalled just because I do think that he is better in certain areas of his game, but He's not developing, I think, the way that people would have expected that he would have developed by this point. And part of that is the shooting just isn't there. And like you said, it's it's streaky and it can be erratic. Um, but the fact that, you know, last year he's taking six free throws a game. This year he's taking five. Like the fact that he's not getting to the like he's not he's not figuring out other ways to impact the game when he's not shooting well, because we saw this. For, you see this from a lot of guys. The shot is, you know. Jump shooting is a variant stat. You know, sometimes a shot is going to go. Sometimes a shot's not going to go. But you have to be able to figure out how to impact the game in other ways. And he's just not there yet. He does not know how to do that. And there are too many times where he'll be on the floor and you don't realize he's on the floor. And he is way too talented for that to be the case. We've talked a lot about this on the podcast, about it being a, a crucial year for Jalen Green and Alperen Shingun. 
And part of that is because, you know, after year three is when, you know, you start getting that max contract, that max extension. Are we in agreement here? I'll speak for myself. I know I don't feel like right now he's a max player. Are we in agreement that Jalen Green is not a max player right now? It's not like they got to decide that today, you know, as we do the podcast. But as we do the podcast today, I feel pretty pretty comfortable saying he's not a max player. No, he's nowhere close to it. And, again, this is how many games in are we? 25 games in or 24, 25 games in at this point. So there's a long way to go. And they aren't – you know, they – they could wait, you know, they could make him play out year four and he's a restricted free agent. So basically all the, all the cards are in their hand at this point. Like they're, they they do not have to do anything, but I think that they would like to be in a position to where they can make him that sort of offer to where they can make him the massive extension offer because you just like to be able to lock that part of your franchise in, but right now he doesn't deserve it. And right now he's not good enough for it. Yeah. And, and you would also like to know, you know, like if they wait, obviously they have the benefit of time right now and they can wait. But and maybe this is just my impatience, but it feels like not only would you like to lock it up, but you would also like to know. You know, you wouldn't you don't want to have the to keep asking the question, is it a, is he a max player or is he not? Or is he going to prove it to me and kind of just keep. You know, like just kind of keeping the door open. And, and typically, by the time a guy has played three seasons, and I know he hasn't played three full seasons, we're just 20-something games into this one. But usually by this point, when a guy has played, especially as much as Jalen has played, you know, he had that stretch there where he was injured. Um, but for the most part, I mean, this guy's played a lot of basketball. You would like to, you would like to feel like you know. So that part of it is discouraging with Shingun. I think there's some, uh, some encouraging things about, uh, about his game, but our, everything we talked about is also there. Like how much do you want to invest in a big man who you can run your offense through, but does not really rebound at an elite level, you know, like that. And, and therefore, uh, you know, you, you would have to compensate for that. Like now you need, you need the things that he doesn't do still. So, um, so that's just a that's just the thing, man. Like I'm I'm wanting for Jalen Green. Like I'm like, hey man, it's year three. We talk about that year three. This is supposed to be that year. And it's like you look up and it's like, man, kind of your point, what you said. Too man, we've made this point before, but we can make it again. Way too many times. A guy like that, a guy as talented as that, who can be the best player on the floor at any given moment, on any given night should never go unnoticed should never go unnoticed and, and speaking of never going unnoticed let's talk about tari east can, can i just add one more thing to that let's let absolutely because the rockets are in a position where they're expecting to win and they're they're not playing for the lottery anymore like they want to be in the playoffs this year and i wonder if no improvement is shown between now and the trade deadline, which is in what, six weeks or so. Do they start to explore the possibility of trading Jalen green? And because right now I, I think that if you, and I haven't gone through any of the names that might be available, it's still a little early for that, 
But if they're if there's a team that's looking to sell some guys off, and the Rockets are in a in a position where they're trying to win games, do they use Jalen Green to try and get somebody who can help them right now? And first of all, it takes them out of the position of having to make that decision of whether or not he's a max level guy moving forward. And that might be a decision that they don't want to have to make right now. Um, and it gives whoever trades for him enough time to get their gauge of him also to where you don't have to sign him to anything after this season. You can wait and let him play out the rookie contract. But I do wonder if that is an avenue that they will at least explore as we get into the next month or so, because there it does them no good to finish outside of the postseason this year. You know, they could, they could, if they lose in the play-in, like that's great that they got to the play-in, but they don't get the lottery pick. The lottery pick is going to go to Oklahoma city unless they get lucky and get some lottery luck. So I just, I, I wonder if that's a conversation that they're going to have between now and the deadline. Yeah. So we did this topic on the radio last week. Uh, Ron Hughley and I, and he said he he was on the side of hey I would I would at least explore or store I I would be his exact phrasing was I would be shopping them, and my phrasing was a little different was I would be listening, but I was I but I wouldn't be shopping them like if there's somebody interested, what what do you think on the shopping versus listening? pendulum so to speak <laughs> what, what what do you think it would be sort of uh more appropriate like would do you think because of the way he's playing that the rockets should be shopping him or that maybe it would be more likely that teams would be interested to say hey maybe we could maybe we could take off you know their damaged goods or however you want to put it no, I, I don't know if you should be shopping him, but if there's a couple players out there that you like, then I'm making calls and saying, hey, would you be interested in, we're, we're interested in player X, would you be interested in Jalen Green and Y? You know what I mean? Like, that's the sort of stuff that I would be identifying guys that you like and that you might think could help you today. And I would say, hey, is Jalen Green a guy that you're interested interested in? So I, I wouldn't be like calling around to every single team, gauging interest, but I would be kind of in listen mode and then in, would you be interested in this guy also for this specific player? Yeah, so I should have given this more thought. This is something that we can do on the next episode and maybe, in, maybe not on the next episode, but at some point before the deadline, identifying guys, and we don't have to necessarily – well, I got I got two for you right now. All right, right? go ahead. Shoot, shoot, and shoot. I want to pull up the I want to pull up the salaries just to see if this is actually I, I, some of these might not be quite as doable as I think they might be. I'm gonna pull up the trade machine. Um, Demar Derozan, free agent at the end of the season. If you are in, if you are trying to win, if you're the Rockets and you're trying to win right now, Demar Derozan. Who helps you more right now, DeMar DeRozan or Jalen Green? Yeah, DeMar DeRozan, I think. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's that's pretty clear. But but you know what, you know what bothers me about that? I feel like you trade for DeMar DeRozan and all you are is the Bulls. No, you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You know at what I mean? Like you're just you're just the Bulls, you know, uh not as old, but kind of, you know, you know, a team that could be 
that could just strive to be that six seed, baby. Like, like you hang a banner if you got the six seed uh, for the ceiling of that team. So, so, so yes, the 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 answer to the question is yeah, he helps you more. I think he's a better player right now. And and hell, if Jalen Green turns into Demar Derozan, I, I, I take that at this point. Like if he ever even becomes Demar Derozan, but uh, but that doesn't really do a lot for you other than you know makes you a play-in team and maybe a six seed. Can I offer you a trade? Well, hang on, that didn't work. <laughs> so uh, trying to do this one on the fly. Um, the Bulls would be ecstatic, by the way. The Bulls, they, 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 because they've got nothing going for themselves. That's just an aside. Oh, this is a no. Rockets podcast, but they would no, be, no, they, would, they would be, they would, they would be excited. So, but you can make that work. Landell, Oladipo, Jalen Green for Demar Derozan. That that's one of those things that would work. Um, again, I don't think I would necessarily. I wouldn't do it. But I, I do think that that is a – if you are the Rockets, and again, you're trying to win right now because they are trying to win right now. And if you don't think that Jalen Green is going to get you there, then I think it's a conversation worth having. And as we get to the middle of year three for him, I think it's a legitimate question to start asking, if is this a real guy? Is this a guy moving forward that you can really count on? Um, I don't know. I, I think that the last – few weeks have been underwhelming to say the least yeah would uh did they what did they do with zach levine they haven't they haven't no well he's he's signed long term but that that salary is too much trust me i i was i looked at that one too the the deal that i kind of had in mind was patrick williams and demar Derozan for the three rockets that i that i mentioned but the rocket, the salaries are too much right now. So I'd have to, I'd have to add in another guy. Like you'd have to add in Jay Sean Tate to make that work. Oh no, you dog is not going to want to give up Jay Sean Tate. And again, it, it's tough if you're the Rockets in that respect, just because DeRozan's a free agent at the end of the season, and Patrick Williams is also a free agent at the end of the season. So like, you you almost have to splurge on both of them to make the trade worth it. So it's when you're, when your top five picks don't work out or when they are perceived to have not worked out, it puts your organization in a very difficult spot because you've invested a lot in these guys and you're scared about giving up on them a little too early, but at the same time, you might value, you might value them a little more than they should be valued. So it's a tough conversation that you have to have. How much do you put into how much stock do you put into the new system? Like, is that a good enough? I understand that that it's an adjustment playing for a different coach, playing with different teammates. He's got more veteran teammates. I understand it's an adjustment. I'm not trying to minimize that. But is it a good enough excuse for I I don't think there is a good enough excuse for the struggles. I mean, it's a it's a meritocracy. You got to perform. But. Like what? What do you make of how that factors into his struggles? Uh, the different teammates, the different coaching. I saw, I saw our guy Sarge, Big Sarge, mention on on Twitter that he thinks he misses KPJ. I was like, that is a, that is a very, uh, <laughs> that is a very against the grain take from you, and that's why you are Big Sarge, my guy, and I love you for it. But but just overall, like, it, it, do you give him? Do you cut him any slack for? 
the adjustment that he's having to make. I mean, we're 20 some games into the adjustment at this point. No, because it's getting worse. Like it's one thing to, to really struggle at the start of the season, but then you want to see progressive improvement and he's not really improving. The line is kind of pointing down since yeah. the season started. So that's why I don't put a lot into that at this point. Yeah, man. I just, and, and that was, that was the excuse that I made at the start of the year. Like I, that's, that's word for word. The excuse that I made was, Hey, He's dealing with a new system. He's dealing with a bunch of new teammates. So, yeah, there's going to be some growing pains. But the fact that it's seemingly getting worse, I can't make that excuse anymore. Yeah, because better coaching is supposed to make you better. Better teammates are supposed to make you better. So why is it not better? You know, like that's that's the – that was my I was like, okay, if unless you're trying to tell me that he got a worse coach and worse teammates, which I don't think anybody has argued. I've not, I haven't, out of all the arguing that I see, I don't see anybody arguing that. Then I don't, I don't see how we could lean on that. You know, um, better should make better. Um, I'm not great at math, but that just seems like simple addition. So. Um, so yeah, man, it's 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 got to get better with Jalen Green. The the trade talks are, man. I just man, I can't believe that this is where we're at, man. That that we would be <laughs> where we're talking about where where you're like, can I interest you in some Demar Derozan? Uh, the, hey, let me give you let me give you uh, an inconsistent jump shooting young shooting guard for a non three point shooting but really really good elite mid range to a two pointer shooting uh guard like let, let, can i interest you in that it's like no i don't want to i don't want to trade for a guard who doesn't shoot threes in 2023 and 2024 no and with respect to demar Derozan, who i who i respect a lot but goodness gracious uh, but hey they, they struggle they struggle to find offense at the end of these games and demar Derozan, if he's anything he's a guy yeah. that can get you points at the end of games so for sure Again, oh, yeah. You know, that's a great point, though. And I think we're both like a no on that, on the DeMar DeRozan thing. But to your point, we I have the conversation with Rockets fans all the time. Like, who's their closer? And we kind of got some insight into that in the Cleveland game. That was kind of a big deal, Shingun, getting that, you know, having that fadeaway jumper there to with a chance to to win the game and they end up going to overtime and and – you know, and coughing it up, but like, who is, who is this team's closer? Like we've kind of, I think, agreed that it was Fred Van Vliet, you know, but like with respect to Fred Van Vliet, like if you're going to be a serious team, you got to have more, you got to at least have more options than that. And, and, and what a way to get the band back together. Who's your closer, baby? The old Raptors and Alperin Shingoon, Fred Van Vliet, DeMar DeRozan and Alperin Shingoon. With a little Dylan Brooks mixed in, you know, I like to the point. At the end of a game, who's who gets the ball? I would feel, and Rockets fans, I'm sure, would feel way, 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 way more comfortable with the idea of Demar Derozan being on the on the basketball floor. So, there is at least that. Yeah, again, it's it's not a trade that I would make, but it is something that as we move further along, you kind of have to. If if they haven't, they have a lot of information on Jalen Green at this point. Like they they know him, they have seen him in practice. You know they 
they see a whole lot more than what we see. But if you don't think that he's going to be a guy for you, then you should probably move on sooner rather than later, just so that you're not in the position of overpaying. Because once, especially like these contracts are like serious, like you're talking about nine figures. And like, as soon as you, a lot with a lot of these guys, as soon as you give him that contract, they are untradeable. Like you look at Miami and Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero's kind of untradeable at this point. Like they've tried to trade him for a lot of different guys and they can't seem to get any takers. Um, so like these guys on rookie deals, that's when they, that's when they're at their most value. But once you have to pay them, if they aren't like that guy, then, you're, then it's really difficult to get them off your books. And so that's, that's why they're in a really tough spot with this. And that's why they really need Jalen green over whether it's the next six weeks or the final 60 something games of the season, he's got to show them something. Otherwise you start have to start asking those difficult questions that you don't necessarily want to have to ask. Questions like when you brought up Tyler Hero's name, Jalen Green is good as Tyler Hero. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. You know, it was it was kind of rhetorical because we already knew the answer. You know, it's like, no, that's that that's not it. That's not it. All right, man. So when this coaching hire was made, when the Rockets hired MA Udoka to be their head coach from the beginning. You and I identified a couple of guys that would definitely be a couple of guys who are already on the team. This is obviously before free agency or before signing trades or whatever. We identified a couple of guys on the team that for sure struck us as Udoka guys, Udoka type of players. Uh, Jay Sean Tate stood out. We mentioned Jabari Smith, but Tari Eason, Tari Eason, very much a and at least in my view, and, and I'm not around M.A. Udoka the way you are, but very much a Udoka-type player to me. And it's manifesting itself through some of the things that we talked about with Jalen Green's struggles, but also Tari Eason has earned his spot on the basketball floor. He's earned his spot, uh, his increased role, I would say, in the rotation. How would you characterize the way – that Tari Eason has earned his minutes this year? Um, he's been a star. <laughs> and that might be a little a little bit of an exaggeration, but he is he makes an impact. And he's always around the ball. He's always making things happen, um, whether it's deflections or steals or blocks or running down rebounds. He plays the game hard. Um, and you always know he's out there. And I think that's been important for him. He's shooting the ball better. He's making quicker decisions. Like he has, he's taken a step and he's a guy, he doesn't start games, but he's, it seems like he's closing every single game. And early in the year when he was hurt and they had him on that minute restriction, they missed him. And now you're seeing it now where there's no restrictions at all. And he's playing both games of back-to-backs. He's playing however many minutes a game. I mean, he, he's just, he just makes things happen and he's a positive player on both ends of the floor. Uh, he can guard anyone. It seems like one through five. So that's, he's, he's just an excellent, excellent player and he's only going to get better. I, I think that they, they haven't necessarily gotten the returns that they want out of their top five picks, you know, the Jalen green and Jabari Smith and Amen Thompson, like they haven't gotten necessarily the returns that they want out of those three guys. But when you look at what they've done in the middle of the first round, 
those guys have have hit and those guys have been just terrific picks so far yeah he's a foundational piece he's a he's a building block like unless you're i mean it's gonna have to be a something a lot better than obviously than the demar de rose and unless you're gonna be like he to me he's a guy that you wouldn't trade you know unless you're getting you know a, some type of superstar back in, in you know it, it had to be an overwhelming type of deal like i think it's i think it's that big for me it's it's very interesting you you just juxtapose the later first round picks that they got or the, i guess you say the mid the mid first round picks because the later ones are like not on the team anymore but those mid picks versus the top picks that they drafted and how things have shaken out with them i just wish and i'm sure a lot of rockets fans probably feel this way if they have not thought of it in this particular manner but i just wish you could either bottle up whatever it is that Tari east that allows Tari Eason to play the way that he plays and to be noticed on the floor in the way that he's noticed and give it to jalen green or give jalen green's talent to Tari Eason. you know like if you could bottle them up into one player or have them like just follow each other around and try to like rub off the 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 best of each other onto the next one, you know. And, and Latari Eason's never going to be; it's not going to be the, you know, we're going to have the physical gifts that Jalen Green is. So that would probably be a, a a useless exercise. But but I would love for for Jalen to have some of the things that that Tari has, and and it's not, you know, it, I hate I hate to even say that or to pit guys against each other but i mean and like we said we just we just talked about the number two overall pick from a couple of years ago and jalen green being somebody who there are times where you don't notice him on the floor and then tari eason being a guy who you always notice it's like a tasmanian devil out there and even and and that's that's actually a the uh, a discredit or a, a slight to him he was kind of more of a tasmanian devil last year this year man he he actually plays with his hair on fire and i think with a level of uh measured and just I, I to me he's just an overall better player than he was a year ago which is kind of the story of tar you see him one year see him the next he's better you know, that, that, that's been that's been the case with him going all the way back to college, you know, before he got to LSU, then when he got to LSU. And now since he's been in the NBA, it's like this is a dude who is just like dead set on getting better and better. Yeah, he works. He's a worker. He's a worker off the court. He's a worker on the court. Um, you just can't say enough good things like you really cannot say enough good things about the guy. And he's going to get better just because he's going to the game will slow down a little bit for him. But I think he's a guy who has kind of become indispensable at this point. And um, I, I did want, you know, I, I wondered how the rotation would start to work out. And, you know, somebody was telling me that they thought that Eason would be the one who would maybe lose minutes early on and he would lose the minutes to Tate when the season started. And, you know, Tate's been fine. Tate's played okay. But as you've seen, I mean, they can't take Eason off the floor. And, I want to see just what his numbers are, just um, his plus minus when he's on the floor, just because it, it seems like he has, it, it, he just makes an impact. And, and the fact that he is closing games, it seems like every night, 
I think that that's important. That's a really important development for him um, over the course of the season. Let's see when Eason is on the court this season, they are at plus 5.7 per game. So over um, 100 minutes, sorry, I'm trying to do this on the fly here. Um, the Rockets with Eason on the floor are at plus 13.8 per 100 possessions. With Tari Eason off the floor, they are minus 1.5 per 100 possessions. So that tells you everything you know. They are a plus 13.5 when he is on the floor. Or excuse me, they are plus 13.8 when he's on the floor. That is by far the best mark out of anybody on their team. Yeah. Man, I, and I, I watch every game, and I can see and comprehend the impact from watching it, but that that actually is even more than I would have. That, that's, that's, that illustrates it even more than I would have guessed or more than I would have said just from watching the game. And it's all defense. They are a little worse offensively with Easton on the floor. Defensively, their defensive rating is, is it, for the season, their defensive rating is 109.4. Uh, when Easton is on the floor, their defensive rating is 97.3. So that's what a 12 point difference. That's it's absolutely absurd. Yeah. And he can, he can lock guys down. He can force turnovers. Like it's just, it's special. Some of the things that he can do. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just as simple as hey, oh, if Jalen can be the offensive player that, that Tari is the defensive player, then, then you might be cooking with grease. So, uh, but that's not the bag on the credit to Tari Eason for being the worker beat that he is. I mean, the dude is just a relentless, tireless worker, and the Rockets are benefiting from it. All right, let's get out of here on this, man. We got these fines. I would have helped if I had marked down how much they got fined. I don't think anybody cares how much MA Udoka and Dylan Brooks get fined. The reason why I even bring it up as a news item, because well, it is a news item. They did get fined for you know, treatment of the refs, criticizing and, and language toward the officials. I know you're a big, uh, the game within the game for you is always the officiating. I, I feel like you don't know. Udoka's been ejected twice now, I believe. Dylan Brooks, if there was no Draymond Green, would lead the league in technical fouls, I'm pretty sure. I feel like they need to reel it in a little bit with the technical fouls and ejections. But I do like the attitude. We've had this conversation before because, again, Udoka's been ejected uh, before, and Dylan Brooks has obviously had his run-ins. I like the attitude. I, I like the sort of spirit of it. But also, what did you even think of the call? Like, the, the principle of the, the, the call that they were arguing. Like, because, I mean, because we're not going to get fined, right? Like, wasn't Dylan Brooks arguing – that he should have, like, he was he was called for a flop. Wasn't he arguing that he should have been, uh, or he was, no, he was arguing that he was pushed out of bounds by Chris Middleton, right? And it didn't yes. get called. I thought I thought he was pushed. I thought he was, on the, I thought they were on the right side of the call this time. Uh, no, I, I did, I, I thought he got pushed. Um, listen, if, I, I have no problem with them complaining about the referees. Um, frankly, I kind of enjoy it when teams complain about the referees um, and they're not shy about it. And those two specifically, and they had the thing after the Lakers game where, I mean, Dylan Brooks just went after the officials unprompted, like he didn't care. So that's, that's kind of the edge that they want to play with. Hey, go ahead. It's going to cost you some money. 
It, you know, it's going to cost you money with technical fouls. It's going to cost you money in league fines. And hey, if you want to pay it, go ahead. It's your money. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, I don't know if it necessarily gets you anywhere. <laughs> not, you're not going to all of a sudden get some favorable calls because you're calling out the officials and saying they're terrible or whatever, you know, publicly. I don't think it helps, but hey, go ahead. Do, do what you want. It's America. Free country. No, I, I think that if you if you develop a reputation, it can it can help and hurt. It could go either or both ways. It could present a quick trigger on the ref's part when they see you. They know, hey, that's that's Dylan Brooks. That's Ma Udoka. They like to talk crap. They, you know, we're gonna be ready to throw their asses out of the game if we got to, or it could have an intimidation factor. Like, I feel like you got to set the tone. This is a new team. Set the tone a little bit. And then, you know, next time you get that officiating crew, they know, hey, man, I maybe I'll pay more attention to this call because if I get this call wrong, yo, Emmy Yudoka is going to call me a, a motherfucker or, a, a, or uh, Dylan Brooks is going to call me a, a P word, you know, like, like I need to, I don't, and I don't, I, you know, forget the technical file. I just don't, I don't want to be at work having people call me p words and mfers. So I don't know. I, I don't know. There needs to be a study done on this. The call ratio to post mf in a ref, like, does it help at all? I don't know if anybody's ever done that study, but I'd be very intrigued to know. Hey, I, I don't think the officials care. <laughs> I don't think they care. Plus, you don't see these guys that often. There's so many refs. You, you know, you That's might true. see you might see one ref four times a year, like, and that might be a lot. So, yeah, I don't think it matters. Hey, do what you want. It's, there, it's your money. If you want to complain, go ahead and complain. I don't think it helps, but go ahead. Fair enough. We've got some home games coming up, man. Before the Christmas holiday, we've got Hawks on Wednesday. Then the Rockets host the Mavericks on Friday. I believe I had that right. And then they go to New Orleans, which is, you know, just a hop, skip, and a jump uh, to face the Pelicans on Saturday um, and then come back home to face the Pacers the day after Christmas. So we'll talk sometime after then, man. I imagine I'll see you Christmas Eve. Is that right? Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, we got yeah because we got Texans, we got Browns, Texans, so a lot going on around these parts here, man. We'll circle back and see where we're at this time next week. Look, man, shout out to Austin Mendez for handling things for us behind the scenes. For Adam Spillane, Brandon Scott, we really appreciate y'all listening. Like, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. Until next time, y'all be good. 